Happy Friday, everyone. And thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogamiller with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. And this morning, we are joined by Superintendent Kyle Reynolds and teacher Joe Lynn Love from Woodward Public Schools. So good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And if you just want to tell us just a little bit about yourself before we get into talking about Teach Oklahoma. Sure, I'll, I'll kick it off. I'm Kyle. I'm superintendent at Woodward. Um, this is the community where I was raised and uh, went to school and came back uh, with my wife and my high school sweetheart. We started our family here and uh, this is my 28th year in the district, my ninth year superintendent. The home of the boomers, I hear. You are correct. Yeah. I got it right, didn't I? <laughs> you did. Mm -hmm. And I'm Jolyn Love. Um, I'm also a hometown girl. I said I would never return to Woodward. Um, this is my 26th year as a teacher, and I brought my husband back to Woodward with me from Norman. So now we're both here. Oh, that's great. Well, Superintendent Reynolds, tell us a little bit about how you heard about the program Teach Oklahoma. Well, I was uh, fortunate enough to be uh, asked to serve on Superintendent Hoffmeister's Superintendent Advisory Committee, and uh, we were having regular meetings and uh, it, I just remember we were in one one certain meeting and somebody brought up the idea or the fact that this this program existed. And I thought, this is brilliant. Why, you know, this is a grow your own program and they've already got everything set up. And why in the world are we not participating in this? So I came back. Can we tell us a little bit about the program before you? Oh, sure. Sorry, I should have. Yeah. Well, that's I, it. What I learned at that time was that it was a program where you could invite uh, high school juniors and seniors to take part in a class, and they would spend typically the first semester learning about pedagogy and teaching, and and the second semester is more like an internship where you get them out there in classrooms. Um, we've got a regional university in our backyard, Northwestern Oklahoma State University, has a campus right here in town, so that was a natural fit to be to be partners with them. So. I came back and talked to our leadership. Uh, then curriculum director Michelle McDonald was here at the central office, and we had this conversation about wouldn't this be fantastic? Wouldn't it be great if we could implement this? And we we did have to talk about dollars. I mean, you're, you're talking about taking a, a classroom teacher, taking one of those units away from them to uh, put this this lift on them. And so it was it was natural. Mrs. Love has been such a great uh, mentor teacher. To so many others, she's one of our master teachers, and so it was a great fit to, to have her lead the charge, and it's been very successful. Wow. So, Superintendent, um, other districts are doing this around the state, and, and some have tried, and they've they've had difficulties. So, you had to, this is an elective class, is that correct? It's a what, I'm sorry? An elective, they get an elective credit for it? Right, correct, okay. correct. Okay. So, the, you know, the big thing, I think, is just what did you guys have to do also to get kids interested in it? <laughs> I can tell you when, when you've got great teachers that are passionate about their profession, they're going to make it happen. So I happen to know Mrs. Love has roamed the halls 
and gone out and grabbed kids by the collar and said, come here, we need to talk about this. And, you know, not every kid wants to or sees themselves being a teacher. And we all know in this conversation that uh, the public narrative and the political narrative has not been that great in recent years. And uh, I've, I've even heard a, a legislator a few years ago on a panel say that he, he had talked his own children out of being educators. And uh, actually, John Hazel, then state super or state teacher of the year, really dressed him down and said, you know, you're part of the problem. And shame on you. Shame on you for squashing your kid's passion for what is, we think, the most honorable profession, that, that we make such a huge difference and an impact. So not every kid that gets into Teach OK with us is going to be that teacher, but we feel like we're kind of moving the needle in the right direction and giving them a positive experience. And they, they get that elective credit their, their first semester, and then they even get an internship credit in that spring semester. Great, great. Yeah, you. Uh, I just started... You know, there will always be students deep down who say, I really want to be a teacher and who started thinking that from the time they were in elementary school, because they had some incredible teacher that made a huge difference in their lives. And I, anytime I'm talking with students and anything comes up about, you know, I kind of thought about being a teacher and usually if it's, you know, freshmen or sophomores, I'll say, oh, you need to take Teach Oklahoma as a junior or senior. And so it started out just, you know, advertising when we were doing pre-enrollment signs up around the school, like, hey, sophomores and juniors, have you ever thought about being a teacher? Come take this elective class. And through the years, it's also is kind of like word of mouth. You know, the students that take it, maybe they just really like little kids. You know, they like to babysit. Um, and then the ones that I find out, because I teach a couple of sections of sophomore English. And so if I find out in that time that someone, you know, in a journal or something says, I'd like to be a teacher, and then I really start pressuring them to take <laughs> Teach Oklahoma. But um, it's just kind of, uh, you know, word of mouth. I put stuff on there, like uh, on my sign, um, we get a stipend for the class and we can use it for um, all different things. Like this is our t-shirt that we make that uh, a student designed this year. Our listeners, I wish you could see your t-shirt is so cool. Yeah, and and so we 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 design a new one every year. In any way, the, it's really a, I should say it's a grant from the state department, not a stipend, but the grant will pay for our T-shirts. We um, have visited four university campuses this semester, which it's a drive for Woodward. We're pretty geographically isolated, and we're going to a fifth one in February. So I tell them, come take Teach Oklahoma, free T-shirt. I pay for all of their class supplies through my grant. So I'm like, you don't have to have any kind of supplies. I'll provide everything. Let's go visit lots of college campuses, and they provide free lunch. And if you feed them, they will come. And just yeah. hearing those things, students are like, what? I get to go see camp colleges and, you know, that kind of thing. So I just sort of like woo them. I just um, sucker them in. And then the students who've been in the class, they like it. And it's so much psychology. You know, pedagogy is all about psychology. And no one understands that except for teachers. So they start learning and they start talking to their friends about how much they're learning and how interesting it is. And then by word of mouth, you know, next year, I'm like, go out and recruit somebody to take Teach Oklahoma. And then they go get people to sign up for it. So how many years have you been doing it? Okay, so 
Our first year was um, 2016 to 2017. So 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. So this will be my sixth year. Yeah. And have you seen anyone go on to become an educator? Yes, I have a great story. So um, my first year of doing it, I had a, a, a senior boy that I had taught. I also teach a gifted and talented humanities elective class. And he had been in my humanities elective for several years and he wanted to be an English teacher. So he took Teach Oklahoma his senior year. When he did his internship, I placed him with a really great middle school English teacher and they worked together, you know, that spring. So he started college at Northwestern um, as an education major. He he paid his own way through college. So it took him five years and um, he took off, you know, a little bit of time in between. But when it came time for him to start observing, he came to Woodward High School. The teacher that he had done his internship with in the meantime had moved up to become our English 3 AP teacher. And the principal walked him down to observe and she turns around and they're both like, oh, and so like a semester observing with her. Then he did his student teaching with her last um, spring. And then we hired him uh, over the summer to teach English here at Woodward High School. So he started out, you know, and the two, and she's still his mentor teacher. They have this incredible bond. And um, it's just like kind of gives you goosebumps because, you know, to actually see some, I have another student that's graduating, well, former student from OSU in May, and she's graduating with a degree in education. I'm trying, you know, sometimes I kind of lose track of them. Sometimes they start out in college, they can't afford it. They, you know, they move or they start out in a different uh, major and then they end up switching to education. So, but, um, you know, it's just, just getting them interested and the internship really, really is great. It just kind of suckers them in because they get to spend that time in classes and they love it. And some of them that take it just as an exploratory thing. By the time they finish their internship, they have decided that they are going to major in education. So I do have some some students right now in college who are education majors. They just haven't graduated yet. And then it's perfect opportunity with, you know, last year with recent legislation that was passed by Representative McBride and Senator Pemberton that sets up that, uh, let's say, a scholarship for them during all four years and then will help pay when they come out and teach in a public school in Oklahoma. And so um, you guys have just started that pathway for them. And it's incredible. Yeah, that's called the Inspired to Teach Scholarship. Mm -hmm. And I actually got an email from someone at the state department or the regent somewhere over the break asking me if I would like to be on a committee, like, um, I don't know, about that scholarship. So I said, sure. So I had to send in my bio and my CV and everything. And I haven't heard anything back yet on that. But um, yeah, it's very exciting to finally, you know, um, incentivize students to become teachers through scholarship. I mean, through real scholarship opportunity. And it doesn't matter what university they go to in the state. So some of the universities are sadly have been shutting down their education programs. This may be a way to turn around that trend. So do you, you said that because you had Northwestern in Woodward, what is, so do you do any, do they do any classes at Northwestern or is there a partnership there or? Well, it's, um, it's kind of tricky because 
since we received the grant from the state, they, um, Northwestern at first, at one point, they were going to give them some college credit and they were going to let them bypass some of their beginning teaching classes. Um, but then they said, the state said it would be kind of like double dipping. And since they already, we had the grant at the high school level, but they do, I know that like, um, there's a uh, beginning class at Northwestern that all freshmen have to take. I can't remember what the name of it is, but if they have been in Teach Oklahoma, they can bypass that. I do know that they go straight on. Um, and uh, we do go visit the campus. Um, Dr. Oswald, Jen Oswald, who took mm -hmm. over for Christy Jenlink, who was um, the head of the education department previously, she retired. Dr. Oswald came in September and spoke to my class. And then we scheduled a day in October that we went over and toured campus and sat in on college classes. And um, so it's really, yeah, I mean, and, and I know that in the past, Dr. Jenlink, if she, she would ask me for names of students from Teach Oklahoma who were going to enroll in Northwestern so she could kind of, you know, guide them and mentor them and, and, and continue to encourage them in the education process. Yeah. So superintendent, uh, let's talk cost. You had to um, have a teacher right. set up a, cl a class. Do you just do one hour a day? For yeah, we just we just do one hour a day, and so that's what we that's really all we lost is we had to make sure that we could absorb that by taking you know Mrs. Love out of a, an English classroom, or if we had to squeeze the Gates classes or or what whatever that might have been. So we just made it work. Um, I suppose an advantage that we've had over those those six or seven years is our our student population has declined. You know, our, Woodward's been a victim of going from a little over 3,000 students to six or seven years ago to about 2,500 students today. So that, that's just coincidental, but that helped with the numbers side of it to make it work. Um, Mrs. McDonald, who was the curriculum director at the time, is now an assistant principal at the high school. So she's right there to give that additional support. And I know she and Mrs. Love worked uh, from the very beginning to take this curriculum and this framework that the State Department was providing and kind of narrow that down to some essential things and i know they i'm sure mrs love has tweaked that program over the years to make it uh, just to get the very best of the best in there so and it's obviously being very successful yes and when my principal first asked me you know i, I got this message will you come by my office and i thought oh boy am I in trouble? <laughs> um which i'm usually a rule follower so i was like okay well so he asked me would you like to you know we want to instant we want to implement this class could you do it and i said sure i'll try at the time i didn't know if there was any curriculum i didn't know anything about it so um i believe that if a district decides to implement it um with the previous um director of the program melissa mitchy um mm -hmm. Uh, or Foster, Missy Foster, she got married. Anyway, um, she would, if a school signed up, she would require like a training during the summer. One day we met and she provided us with the PDF of the curriculum. And there's so much curriculum. It fills probably a two to three inch binder. You can't get through it all in one year. I mean, it's, so I remember just going through each unit and Right. And just highlighting the things that I thought would be most important to teach. And I have kind of tweaked it. And I think the curriculum, that's one reason 
Um, I think some schools or teachers shy away from it. They think it's overwhelming, but you just have to choose what you feel like is the most important and, you know, do quantity over quality. I mean, quality, sorry, over oh, quantity. Yeah. And so, um, but, and it's very doable. And so I have um, added, um, you know, a, a few other things. I have some students who are second year students now, and there's no curriculum really for the second year students. So I think there, I have five of them that came back this year for a second year. So I have set them up with year long teacher shadowing opportunities. They do a different one each nine weeks to kind of, you know, try out different grade levels and different teachers. And of course, these five students also did an internship with a teacher last year. So they had the opportunity to go back and work with that same teacher, or if they wanted to try a different grade level or whatever. And so it's been really fun. Um, you know, I have a student interested in special ed. And so I put her second nine weeks with an elementary special ed teacher and to, you know, to um, experience that. And so they've, they go Tuesday through Friday to those intern or those, op I call them, I guess they're kind of like internships, but they're just shadowing. And one of the uh, first grade teacher uh, texted me yesterday and she was like, ooh, today she got to experience writing on the desk with shaving cream, practicing spelling words. And it was a bit of a <laughs> crazy day. And I said, it's okay. I'm sure she loved it. So it's, you know, a great opportunity for their senior year to just, if they've taken it already, just to get them out there in the classroom at different levels and let them see what they like, you know. Well, this is, I, this that, is awesome. I think it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to add, I mean, that we, we kind of carry that concept out to some other areas about letting kids try things. Um, our TAP program, which is our collaboration with our career tech here in our neighborhood, mm -hmm. we get kids exposed to all kinds of careers. And we actually had a kid a few years ago dead set that uh, he was going to become a vet. And they had a field trip out to the local veterinary hospital and uh, turns out they were spaying cats that day. And after he passed out twice at the sight of blood, <laughs> he, he decided maybe being a vet was not his bag, you know. And so and he actually graduated last year and uh, recently completed the WinTech program is out being very successful. I mean, just right out of the gate. So that's important, though. If, if, if they can't see it, they can't be it. You know, that yeah. we want to make sure kids are exposed yeah. to as, as many career opportunities as possible so they can be successful and have a, have a good plan once they walk across our stage, have a, have a good plan of what it is they need to do next. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's kind of the same way for Teach Oklahoma, because I have had a few students who have done their internships and decided, I don't want to be a teacher, but it's so much better for them to figure that out now than to go to college, spend all that money on years of tuition, and then get close to the end and think, what am I doing, and have a crisis and change their major, so it's, you know, it's a great, and that's what I, that's part also of my recruitment, I say, come try it out. You know, maybe you do want to, maybe you don't, maybe you just like little kids, maybe you just want to, you know, whatever, but it's, if you decide that you definitely don't want to, it's good to decide it early on before you waste that time in college. So it works both ways. I think you guys have set up such a beautiful stage for your students that not only are you creating a pipeline into future educators, but you're helping them explore all kinds of opportunities. And that's, that's what we should be doing right now is helping them 
find out where uh, before they spend a lot of money in college to figure out what they don't want to do and find their passion. That's the most important thing. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and telling us about your program. And um, we will definitely share information on our website of if you know, teachers are wanting to learn more about this program or talk to their superintendent about implementing it at their school um, so we can get the word out. So thank you all. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Well, our next guest today is one of our favorites back from a longish break. We had a sabbatical. Sabbatical? Yeah, I don't know. Sabbat- I think you've been on sabbatical. <laughs> is uh, Ivy. Vacation. I like to, uh, <laughs> I like to think of a sabbatical. That makes me seem important. Yeah. yeah. Like you, you, you have to you do, do something, something important <laughs> to have to take a sabbatical. You were doing important work. Yes. For yeah. the record, I have been here. I've been working. I just <laughs> haven't been on the podcast. Well, it, it's been quiet. It's kind yeah. of the lull. Yeah, correct. And, yeah. and, you know, January kicks off and we have our um, swearing in ceremonies for all our new legislators and our governor and state superintendent. And then this week, that that's what happened actually this week. We had the swearing in. And then the next day, the governor appointed four new state board of education members and removed four new board members. Correct. Correct. So it has been a big week, a big inauguration, lots of speeches that people have been picking apart and trying to figure out what the code, what what uh, exactly they were saying, tracking the code of what, (laughs) what their plans are. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that was, I think, surprising to most people. There had been some criticism of some conflicts of interest. So I do think some of the changes were were because of that. Uh, Jennifer Munnies, um, who has been on the state board for several years now, um, sits on the board of Every Kid Counts. And that's the, the I'm air quoting, nonprofit that uh, Ryan mm-hmm. Walters has been running. Um, so we did wonder how that, you know, would he keep that job? You know, mm-hmm. at, at the was, 11th yeah. hour, he did he did in the end resign, although his board voted for him to stay. And then the board members that thought that was a terrible idea quit. There's been a lot of drama. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, um, you know, should Jennifer Money stay on the state board and also sit on that board? You know, who is her boss and in what capacity? That's, mm-hmm. you know, so anyway, she is no longer on the state board. So that kind of did remove that. Um, I, I will just kind of run through who's still on it, who's not on it, if that kind of helps. No longer on the state board is Jennifer Moneys, um, Estella Hernandez, Brian Bobeck, and Carlisha Williams-Bradley. Mm-hmm. Um, and Trent spent for a hot minute while he got redistricted to another <laughs> He did get <laughs> redistricted, so he is still on it, but in a different uh, congressional district. district. He technically is in the one Jennifer Money's vacated, uh, but but he's still on the mm-hmm. board. And to be honest, I bet most people don't know what congressional districts they're, they're representing. So, exactly. you know, um, sad for me and, and, and a lot of folks online, uh, Carlisha Williams-Bradley is really the only one that has been representing public schools, mm-hmm. speaking up for public school uh, students and and parents and uh, teachers and, and she employees. also had that unique perspective because she was also 
all of those things. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know? She had served in those, in, in, in a traditional public school, in a charter, a charter school. school yeah. So she really had a unique perspective. So no, she is no longer, she's been removed. Uh, so the new uh, state board members, uh, one is named Marla Hill. She, uh, her bio says she's a homeschool parent. Suzanne Reynolds is a pharmacist. Kendra Wesson is, uh, owns an accounting firm and, and we know her name a little bit because she ran against Jacob Rosecrans and Norman mm. this past cycle. Uh, Donald Burdick is a lifetime or career oil and gas executive. And then still on the board that, that are returning are Sarah LaPac, who's an attorney mm-hmm. and Trent Smith, who's a, a business owner. So that kind of, um, what, what we find missing from that are, are is any school um, experience, any mm-hmm. school perspective. Um, I assume some of them are parents, mm-hmm. but that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, not that a parent voice is not important. Obviously, we think here at OEA, a parent voice is important. But how on earth can you run uh, the uh, the school system of the state? Uh, without voices from schools. So that's scary, I think, to our members, and it's scary to me. Especially for a state department that the superintendent's title is State Superintendent of Public Instruction. Correct, correct. And there's no no voice on that board of of public schools. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think what we can hope is that uh, our members and, and concerned stakeholders statewide will continue to uh, communicate with these folks mm-hmm. and let them know what 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 we believe is the wish of the majority of Oklahomans not the loud ones not not the ones that are are you know screaming CRT from the rooftops but mm-hmm. but common sense folks who just want their kids to get a good education were you surprised that you know we're a week into the inauguration and swearing in that the I thought that maybe the political campaign rhetoric would maybe take a pivot and get into the business of running our public schools. Um, I we, we really haven't seen that, have we? We haven't. We've already seen our first car video, mm. um, and and it basically called on certificate revocations from issues that have been are months and months old and mm-hmm. and no longer are those people even in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So it does, I think, beg the question, why are we concerned with things that aren't happening in our schools and not with what is actually going on and what supports do those folks need? Uh, the inauguration speech was auditing every program and every staff member and every, <laughs> I mean, it just, um, my impression, this is my personal impression, is that we are looking for something to punish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are not looking for what we can do and what we can support. And that's that's worrisome. Our members are scared. Mm-hmm. Our members are scared. Our field staff that are out in our schools and talking to our members mm-hmm. coming back to the second semester are very worried about what they might inadvertently do mm-hmm. that will have them under a microscope and under attack. And I, I think there's you know, an assumption for me as a public school parent, and it's not even an assumption, it is an experience that public schools are doing great things every day Mm -hmm. in our schools. And I think when the rhetoric always starts with an opposing view Mm -hmm. in such a negative light that schools are doing X, Y, and Z negative, when you hear 
those types of phrases and that type of tone over and over again, it really begins to take a beating. And I, I really want, no one's saying that everyone's perfect, but your tone with lifting up schools, I just, if that's not the first step people take, it's really hard. Sure. And, and in those two speeches, if you talk about the governor and the state superintendent's inauguration speeches, they did say there are great teachers in Oklahoma. Those words were spoken, some version of that. Mm -hmm. But it was so covered up, drowned out mm -hmm. by punitive and negative and what we need to do differently and what we're failing at and what we're <laughs> and, and And so um, I left the classroom in 2012. And if I were still in the classroom, I would have a really hard time not feeling like what I was doing was not worthwhile, was not valued, was, was um, under a microscope in a different way. We should be under a microscope. We are doing the most important work, Yeah. right? Microscopes are okay. I'm a science teacher. Microscopes are good. <laughs> but what are we looking for? Mm -hmm. We are looking to punish instead of looking to improve mm -hmm. outcomes. Yeah. I mean, there, there are things to look for. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Think back to like school days, Ivy, and uh, when we would get maybe a new administrator in our building and the, a, a good administrator comes in and they take a step back and they see what's happening and they see, they take inventory of what's going on and then say, okay, here's some things that we need to do differently or we're doing great. We need to improve on and do something even more better. That's a word I just made up. And, <laughs> um, but it's, 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 it's disheartening my personal heart as an educator to hear, um, that is, we're not having a very supportive yeah. mm -hmm. stu state superintendent that should be championing right. all of our schools, mm -hmm. all of our schools. Yeah. And, and I don't think we don't have to harp on this forever, but I would like to just add one more thing. Um, Ellen and I have, have tried to meet with some staff from the state department leading up to this, this week, uh, to kind of get, I don't know, educate ourselves. If, if you will, on processes mm -hmm. of, of certification, of uh, standard setting, of um, textbooks, textbooks, yeah. uh, choice, uh, choosing, uh, selection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the word. Um, things like that. Because we do know in any new administration, you expect staff turnover. Right. But leading up to this one, because it was such an ugly election and, and very, um, lines drawn in the sand on one side or the other, um, I, I think we'll see a, a larger staff turnover. I hope I'm wrong, but mm -hmm. we've already seen some, you know, you expect the big positions, yeah. people to bring in their own folks. Right. That doesn't make it wrong. Mm -hmm. make, it doesn't make it bad. But um, I think schools should be concerned about, um, you know, State Department has been under, under Superintendent Hofmeister's um, administration, uh, feedback from uh, administrative level and, and the classroom level mm -hmm. has been there a phone call away of support. Right. Our ROIs, the, the resource officers have been, uh, no resource mm -hmm. oh. accreditation, regional officers. Yes. yes. Uh, have been so quick for support. Mm -hmm. If a school is struggling, we're not looking to ding them on a, on a report. We're looking to 
fix it and and help them. And so I think folks are concerned about what does that look like now? Can they trust a phone call and go right. do what they're, or does it need to be in writing? Do I need to document? You know, things like that. There's just some unknowns. So speaking of that, do we know who the, his, because, um, you know, state superintendent is going to bring in a chief of staff, deputy superintendents that makes part of their leadership team. Sure. And a lot of times I know with superintendent Hoffmeister, right after she was elected, she already had a transitional team. Has uh, Superintendent Walters done any of that, or do you know of any of that? They've not made it public if he has. Okay. Uh, he was, I, I did read an article last week, maybe, and he specifically said, no, he hasn't named a chief of staff yet. No, he hadn't named, you know, many of the cabinet members that, that normally mm-hmm. are named by now. Um, so, you know, uh, if we're being optimistic, we'd like to think he's just being really thoughtful about that we can all think of other reasons. <laughs> so, and the other thing that is a little bit different that we haven't seen in a while and maybe ever was that um, Walters will also be the service secretary of education. Yeah. There was an article set out this week uh, where the governor was listing some cabinet changes and some cabinet um, appointments and he said that uh, Superintendent Walters will uh, not only serve as the elected state superintendent of public education that he that he's just taken office for, but he also will continue to serve as his secretary of education. And the article that was written and some videos from some reporters that have been floating around, the concern is, as taxpayers, he's already making a a decent salary, mm-hmm. right? Well, well into six figures. And as a cabinet uh, secretary of education, he makes uh, an additional $40,000. And so, you know, um, as an advisor to the governor, that is the governor's prerogative to choose who he thinks is the expert in whatever field. But, you know, to say that's not double dipping would be a real stretch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's that's a concern. And, and maybe they've worked that out. Maybe that won't happen. Yeah, when legislators Maybe it will. Yeah, when teachers have been elected as a legislator, they don't get to go back and do I mean, they're not in session all year long, but they can't go teach the They first, cannot work for the yeah, state in any other capacity. capacity. And so why is this the exception? Um unfortunately, JJ Dossett is not joining us in the legislature, right? He was right. beat by his opponent and he cannot go work for 2 years. Yeah. He mm-hmm. cannot go work in a in a as a public employee of any yeah. kind. And the reason that law was written was to not, um, you know, as folks are terming out, they are looking for a job, Mm -hmm. right? Um, To not have them writing legislation to help out their next employer, right? right? Right. Or their next uh, paycheck. And so we understand we don't want that conflict, but to go make less than what they were making as a legislator, (laughs) to walk back into the classroom in this teacher shortage that we are in why on earth are we not making an exception for that i get why we wouldn't let him go run i don't know department of human services right 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 right. i i don't think he would want to but i I, I get why some of that might Mm -hmm. be right uh, frowned upon but i i do think there should be an exception and and senator hicks has actually been working on this for years Mm -hmm. because she plans to go back to the classroom that that's her love that's her calling and so We've got to fix some of that. Yeah. So 
The other big thing that begins to kick off in January for our OEA members is Civication. Oh. So excited. We are so excited. Last year was kind of our maiden voyage of Civication. Uh, civics or and Education. Or a word that we just made up ourselves. Exactly. <laughs> uh, civics and Education. Um, and, and it kind of is in uh, two phases. We have Civication at Home, where we're going to be having dinners in each geographic zone across the state. Uh, some zones, uh, some of the rural zones that are a little bigger may even hopefully can have mo more than one so that folks can uh, come in and uh, benefit from those and not have to drive quite so far yeah. on a school night, that kind of thing. So those are kicking off this uh, next week. Yeah, uh, The 19th is uh, the kickoff in our legislative update. Look for it on Saturday. Um It'll have a list of, of all the ones that are scheduled up to this point. Last week was our first kind of announcement of them. And I immediately got replies back. Is there not one in my zone? <laughs> From several members. And so that's exciting that people want it. Uh, they are all being scheduled, but they are not scheduled yet everywhere. Uh, each board member is working with uh, folks in their area, trying to find a, a venue, you know, to host, say, 30 to 50 people, yeah. right? So yeah. you have to find a restaurant that can accommodate that, that you can reserve, maybe mm -hmm. a room, stuff like that. And obviously our pockets are not bottomless. So it, yeah. you know, we have to find a place that we can also afford. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are excited for those. I love those dinners. Those are yeah. some of my favorites to I, get out. Yeah, because you just get to sit down and have conversation with legislators mm -hmm. and Build those relationships that mm -hmm. we always talk about. And then the second phase of civication is uh, we are bringing back this year as well, where we're calling it civication at the Capitol, where every Monday night and Tuesday morning of March and April, actually the last week of February will be mm -hmm. our very first one. Um, so it's nine weeks that, that we are doing it. Um, all you have to do is sign up. Your local doesn't have to, your, if your president isn't interested, you can still come. Uh, you register online. There will be a link in the in the update on on Saturday again, um, and we will cover some of the cost of your gas, uh, your hotel room for Monday night, dinner Monday night with uh, Catherine and Carrie, yeah. and then uh, come Tuesday morning for a really good breakfast and a legislative briefing, and then go over to the Capitol and and meet with your legislators and and maybe watch some of what's going on over there so well, i'm gonna start my diet today <laughs> uh, leading up to all these wonderful oh. dinners that we're going to be able to host well thank you for joining us ivy it was great to have you back absolutely thanks for having me well let's take some time and catch up with Catherine. it's ellen has been like a crazy week uh whew. Um, I had to go out of town to a, a meeting on Monday, so I missed all the hubbub of the inauguration, and uh, which didn't make me necessarily sad. But right, <laughs> um, but then to see how fast things changed and talk and everything that's going on. So I, you know, I really loved, I'm so glad we were able to get Superintendent Reynolds and JoLynn Love on the podcast with us today to talk about Teach Oklahoma. Such an amazing program. And it's been around for a while. And, and knowing that all that's housed at the uh, Regents for Higher Ed, they're the one, the, the agency that oversees that. And they've created a whole 
um, place, and they really didn't talk about it. We want to make sure we give information about it. But the whole um, umbrella that that falls under the regions is called the Oklahoma Teacher Connection. And you can find out more information if you go to their website. And it says super easy. It's just the okhigheredorg slash OTC. And it takes you into the whole Oklahoma Teacher Connection. And on there, you're going to be able to find out about Teach Oklahoma, and then also, you know, the scholarships that mm-hmm. was just, you know, Representative McBride and Senator Pemberton created the bill last year. And they had to, it was funny because I was talking with the folks at the regions and they were like, we had to call it the scholarship. And so they gave it a name and it's called Inspire to Teach. Mm. And so people will know that's what they need to get connected with and at their university level. But to know I'm an Oklahoma student that went to Oklahoma public school and I can go to any Oklahoma college, university in our state and, and, and feel comfortable majoring in an education degree that so many people want to enter that journey and that it's going to provide them that financial support to do that. And I, and I love just if you are interested in this program, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of funding resources. It's not a program that you start at your school and you're like hustling for money. They're, you know, reach out to the yeah. regents, finds out. I, I love that kids, four different colleges, no one yeah. in my school got yeah. to go visit four different colleges to learn about college of ed programs and what that looked like and all the opportunities that there are on a university campus. Yeah, and I love it how he talked about that. Not only do they get their elective, they get elective credit for it, but they also get a credit for an internship. And, you know, when uh, the whole, we started our, um, oh, what was that called? Mm-hmm. ICAP? The ICAP which helps our ninth graders kind of determine a pathway, what they need to, starting in ninth grade, what they want to go to. And a big part of the ICAP is those internships and in externships and getting kids out to where they need to be. So, you know, I had to wait till college because I thought I was, I knew I was either going to be education or I wanted to go into medicine. In my biology class, I prick, I had to prick my partner's finger. I had to. And I couldn't. <laughs> and she had to prick her own. <laughs> and I knew then that was not maybe the avenue for me. Right. And so, but I got to do my passion and love every minute being in the classroom. Um, but, you know, just Ivy talking about the, the state board meeting, that is so, it's going to be interesting to watch. And you would hope that there was going to see some positive movement behind that. But I think another piece that really didn't talk about was that um, everybody but the board uh, board member LePac has donated to one of those campaigns. And that sometimes is a little disheartening. I mean, we all donate. Don't right. get me wrong. We donate and what we can to different campaigns, but there's always that uncomfortable feeling when those donations are made. And so um, you I haven't looked at the calendar yet. When's the when's the first so, state board meeting? So the the board meetings are set a year in advance. So okay. we know every single board meeting. And the first one is January 26th at 9.30 a.m. And one of the things we are interested in, I, as a you know person who goes to the board meetings, has only been attending for three years. And so for the majority of time, they've always had a virtual option that you can stream in from Facebook. But um, Catherine reminded me that was like a COVID policy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if our community at large will be able to tune in at that moment to watch what happens at yeah, the state board meeting. I know. And it, it you know, even before the pandemic, because it's an open meeting, it's a public meeting, they always recorded them. Mm-hmm. So you can go back and listen to the recording. They had to do that. But to see if they do keep that 
transparency and open and um, if they keep the same meeting date, because mm-hmm. those are going to always be changed. Right. You know, um, but, and we don't ever know what's really on the agenda until they post it like 24 hours in advance. Correct. So that'll be really interesting to watch. And uh, I just look forward for our members to get active in our civication dinners. Mm-hmm. And you go on our website, okea.org slash civication, find a location, um, come have dinner with us and just, to uh, there's nothing better than food and fellowship mm-hmm. to um, just be able to sit down and talk with each other and find out what's going on and build those relationships. And then on Monday, it's it's Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. holiday um, that we celebrate the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. And uh, we will be in those MLK parades. We are registered for the Oklahoma City Parade. And that starts at 2 o'clock here in Oklahoma City. It's going to be downtown. Um, And then also in the Tulsa Parade. So uh, Vice President Carrie Elledge is going to be in the Oklahoma City Parade. I'm going to be up in Tulsa. The Tulsa Parade starts at 11 o'clock. And so we can't be, unfortunately, because of the distance, we can't be in both of them. But we're going to have candy yes to pass out that's i'm going to costco's right now (laughs) to get every piece of candy that they have this is a time that we can come together as an association walk with us bring your family bring your friends it is you ellen you've done it i've done it it's such an incredible it is it is so fun i I took my kids a couple years ago and we walked the parade and it's so i was blown away by the turnout not only of the number of floats or, you know, participants in the parade, but the number of people out there, you know, just cheering everybody on and being a part of it. And we've set up two, go to our social media platform on, um, on Facebook. I think it's also prevalent on Insta. This sounds, makes me sound like I'm really up to things (laughs) when I say Insta, Insta. Um, but we set up two Facebook page events for Oklahoma City and Tulsa. And so that way it just, Sometimes we don't know our number and the location of our start location until like a day in advance. And so we want to use those Facebook pages. Let us know that you're coming and then we'll keep you updated on the the time that you have to be there and the start location um, because you're all in a staging area where you start. And it is a blast. And it's going to be beautiful. Yes. Yes. The weather. I mean, super cooperative for that day. I have walked (laughs) in rain and snow and cold, and this is going to be a beautiful day. Well, it sounds awesome. I'm hoping I can get my kids to come with me. So we want to thank Superintendent Reynolds, Jolynn Love, and Ivy Riggs for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogamiller with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcasts at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.